Welcome to the Sports and Torts Podcast, your go-to podcast for entertaining conversations on sports, law, and business. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, here is your host, Joshua Stein. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sports and Torts Podcast. Thank you for joining us and hopping on board today. Glad everybody enjoyed the last episode of the 2023 college football last call season uh, last week. We maybe got off the rails a few times here and there, but all in all, I hope that you found it entertaining and informative. Only eight short months until the college football season is back again. Today, we turn our sights back to the law, and I'd argue to one of the highest level of law firm management and legal marketing minds you're going to find anywhere. My man Alvaro Arouse of 3A Law Management is with us today. If you're a lawyer in Atlanta, you definitely know Alvaro and probably even worked with him. If you're a student at the UGA School of Law, you maybe even took one of his classes. He was an adjunct teacher up there uh, for many years. So uh, I'm pumped to have you here today, Alvaro. Uh, I want to hear you share some tricks of the trade and uh, you know how you've been helping companies all over the country for what 20 plus years so 20, I'm, ready, yeah. I, I'm ready to learn man let's go let's do it thanks for having me man i appreciate it so 3a law manager those are your initials right those are my initials and then also it's kind of the theory of how i do the management consulting it's awareness you know for me i need information analytics um and i feel like i can make better decisions if i have awareness aptitude which is once we have that awareness, you know, what are the steps? What do we need to be doing to make it happen? And then accountability, which I say that's, I'm the third A, I'm the accountability. Like, yeah. I love it, man. So, you know, all of us, obviously I do planners work and I know a lot of your clients do too. We're always coming up with like catchy things. Like that's pretty smart. Yeah. Just taking those three, three A's and making two things out of it. Good making two things. Yeah. It's, uh, it, I remember I had the first two and then, uh, the third one came to me, like like all of it just kind of came to me when I was biking my mountain bike. Yeah. And just kind of out there thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to call it? It's funny you bring that up because a lot of my good ideas, to the extent it even can be considered good, happen when I'm outside doing something. Yeah. Running or walking yeah. or not like sitting down to think of it. It just kind of pops. Yeah. You just, if you can uh, clear your mind, they say like your mind is like a cloudy sky. And so if you just clear those clouds you know and sometimes it's just getting out there and going for a run going for a bike ride a walk i like it well uh i gotta tell you i got a kick out of our text exchange back and forth yesterday yeah uh, i'd said hey man i'll give you a call we'll talk about what the you know, podcast You're like no man i'm good yeah let, let, let's just roll so i don't know what we're gonna talk about but we'll, we'll try to figure out the hour <laughs> i love it yeah 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 no i speak so much i love doing cle's and stuff i'm always talking to clients and groups so and you've been doing it you know, 26 years, it's just... You, you do get out there and, and, you know, you're at conferences, not just there attending, but speaking, yeah. which, is, which is so important. I mean, I'd see on your social media sites, you were in Miami just last week, you got yeah. coming up, it's a big deal for you. Yeah, yeah, I used to do, I would average, I call it the speaker circuit, you know, it's usually two or three times a month, and it's the New York solo and small firm, it's Ava Lawyernomics, it's... It's PILMA, it's AAJ, it's, you know, NTL. So I want to get into all that stuff and hear yeah. what you're talking about. But before I start, people that have been listening to this podcast um, for the last couple of weeks have heard a new event that we are uh, very excited to be involved with, Parag Shah, who I, who I know that you know. Yeah. Um, 
he has agreed to uh, shave his head oh, no. if if he's, he's got pretty hair like you do. Yeah. Uh, you know, if if ten thousand dollars is raised for side by side, which is a great a great charity for for brain uh, brain injured victims. March is Brain Injury Awareness Month, so um, we're getting the word out. We're trying to raise ten thousand bucks. Parag sells it better to me, so listen to Parag. Hi, I'm Parag Shaw, the CEO of Miles Mediation and Arbitration, and I'm excited to team up with the Sports and Torts podcast to support and raise money for Side by Side, an amazing organization helping adults with brain injuries. Join us for a special podcast interview on March 5th at 1 p.m. at the Brain Injury Clubhouse in Stone Mountain, or catch the live stream on social media. If we hit our goal of $10,000, I'll shave my head live on the podcast. Sound crazy? Yeah, you're right, it is. But here's the twist. You can choose to donate to save my hair instead. So who will it be? The Snip Squad or the Lock Lovers? Tune in, donate, and make a difference. Together, we stand side by side to change lives. See you there. How can you say no to Prague when he says that, right? No, he's uh, he's great. I, you, you call a lot of people, hey, you're my brother, you're my brother, but... Parag and I go so far back. He really is like a brother to me. Yeah, I've seen some. Uh, I've seen some, <laughs> some pictures of two of you guys, costumes, Hawks games. Yeah, we both. So we hit it off. I mean, he was a client, and then a friend, um, and then he sat right next to me at Hawks games. So we'd see each other a lot. And then once he kind of took off with Miles, and he's done an amazing job there. Um, I invited him to a game, and he said will let me pay for it. And I said, there's no way you're paying for it. I'm inviting you. He's like, the only way I'm going to go to a game is if we dressed up like twins. <laughs> well, y'all's and hair can do the We thing. did everything. We had sunglasses, the outfit. We were on TV. Um, it was it was a great time, yeah. But he's like a brother to me. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll we'll find that picture and put it with us. So how do we how do we put some gas into this fire? How do we get the word out to get people engaged and in, in sponsoring and get that haircut for Prague? You know, like I'm gonna blast some things out. I, I shaved my head once. Um, you know, when I was in basketball as a kid, and I realized I should never do that ever again. Um, but I'm going to blast it out to my people, you know, now that I know about it. Um, yeah, I think with everyone that I know and even, you know, Prague knows, I think it'll be pretty easy to see. We can get there. Yeah. We can get there. Yeah. And then we can, uh, you know, also fill the gap if, if we're, you know, a little short. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, we, we've kind of jumped into some stuff, but, uh, like I said, people in Atlanta that are lawyers, they all know you, uh, people that, that aren't lawyers that don't know you just briefly introduce yourself, your company, what you, what you do. Sure. So, um, a big mistake is that I'm a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. Um, I started working with a solo um, practitioner and she didn't, you know, she had a successful practice, but um, I was like, well, why aren't you doing this? And like, I didn't know you were supposed to do that. They don't teach us that in law school. Yeah. Um, and we grew to about 20 attorneys, 40 staff, four offices. She essentially retired at 40. This is back in the 90s. Is yeah. That right? Okay. And then people, and it was here on the Marietta Square, which is, it's, everyone knows everybody. Um, and there's, hey, can you help me with this? Hey, can you help me with this? And, you know, and, and you just think about how law has evolved. 
um, with even technology. It used to be like my BlackBerry. Can you make it, you know, um, or things like that. And then it turned into, can you be remote? Can you open, you know, multiple offices and still have the file, you know, how do you market? You know, the internet came out, social media came out, you know, that's created podcasts came out, you know? And so you've always got to be five, six, seven steps ahead. So you're working at a firm, helping the firm on the business side, the marketing side. Yeah. And it grew and you're yeah. like, I can do this for other firms. So, yeah. So that I, I, I would get people, that's how I met Randy Kessler. You know, we would start, just start talking shop and um, it, I told her, I was like, look, there's something here, you know, that nobody's filling this gap. There were two coaches out at the time, um, Robin Hensley and Art Italo. And they were more like coaches. Hey, go do this and I'll see you next month. And it's, did you do this? Like, no, you told me to run this report, but I can't even get it. I don't even know how to run the report. Like, I don't even, how do I set this up so I can get the report and have a fruitful conversation? Um, and so those were the only two people. And then the only book on law practice management was Foonsburg, which was written in 1978 and like still talked about fax machines. And so I told her, I was like, let me do this part time. And I promise not to take any family or criminal. And then that's how I learned workers comp. And then, you know, I met Seth Bader and he went out on his own. He's like, Hey, I got a buddy in Alabama. But workers' comp is different from state to state. And then it was like, hey, what about Social Security? Hey, I got a friend in California. They do, you know, whatever. So as things go, you know, it grows from practice area to practice area. From yeah. city to city, from state to state, and then yeah. from country to country. And country to country, yeah. you know. And I, what I tell everybody is I drink my own Kool-Aid, right? So I, the way I've grown, right? And so for me... You have to make a proactive decision to hire me. You have to admit that you have a weakness, not that there's anything wrong with that, and that you're gonna surround yourself with people who have strengths in your weaknesses, almost like a board of directors, mm -hmm. right? So you have to proactively choose to hire me, um, whereas in law, usually you need a lawyer. I was in a wreck. I'm getting divorced. I got a car, you know, a traffic ticket, whatever the case may be. Um, so if I could do it and it's a proactive choice to hire me and I can go national, I can go international doing these things that I believe in, then there's no reason why a lawyer can't do it. So someone makes the decision, they look in the mirror and they say, I'm really good at taking deposition. I can try the hell out of a case. Yeah. Um, but I'm not very good at the management side or technology. Or yeah. Putting efficiencies in place or yeah. whatever it is. And they say, I got to find somebody like, like Alvaro. And so yeah. that's usually like, they, they've got to come to the conclusion. Um, I'm going to go seek you out. I'm going to so, see. Yeah. Yeah. And so you get a call from someone like me and yep. walk through the process of like, okay, uh, I got this, this lawyer, this law firm here. What do you do? So, I mean, the big difference is it's highly tailored. I, you know, I don't, we don't take that many clients. Like, I'm not trying to be national in the sense of how to manage or crisp or eight figure, right? Like, not that there's anything wrong with that. That's just, I'm not going to solicit and, and try to get. So, by the time you get, I'm 100% referral, right? So, by the time you get to me, 
you already know there's something going on. And regardless of the size of the firm, regardless of the location, regardless of the practice area, it's one of three things. You either have an operation issue, right? Like how do I grow? How do I get out of the day to day? A technology issue or a marketing issue. So I just sit down and I'm like, all right, what are your two or three pain points? If we can wave a magic wand, you know, what is it that you want fixed? Do you find when people come in and talk to you, they tell you what they think you want to hear first versus what the actual truth is? Because I can see that like people almost kidding themselves about what the actual reality is. Yeah. I mean, so I think what people like about me is that, so I grew up in medicine with doctors, right? Which, so the level of ego, I think I have been so used to that, that I could just be straight up honest and that's what they like about it. They're like, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, I'm just gonna tell you what I see. And honestly, I have a relationship with my clients that they open up right away. Like they say, oh my gosh, this guy's an asshole, he's such a dick and this and that. And it's like, not to me, dude, he's a sweetheart. Like, right, but I guess my question is more, are they are they not being honest about the things that are actually going on in their firms trying to make themselves out like they're doing better or doing more than they are because they're trying to protect themselves from you thinking this guy to know what the hell they're doing or this girl. No, I mean, no, I don't think, you know, at that point, like my, my rule of thumb is, my only rule of thumb is I don't work with assholes, right? Like if I can't sit down. A good, that's a good life rule. That's it. That's like, it. That's it. Yeah, like, period, I'm, hard stop. That's it. And we're done, right? So if there's ever a sense that they're kind of trying to hide something, I'm going to call them out. But for the most part, no, they're just honestly, one of the biggest things they all say is, so how fucked up am I compared to everybody else? Right, right. right. So I would yeah. say it's the opposite. Yeah. Like they're actually like, dude, I am fucked up, but am I as fucked up as these guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, totally, totally. I mean, like I said, lawyers are good at certain things, not as good as others. And, and I was reading up on, on what you call the four truths about lawyers in 3A. Yeah. So I'm going to read these. Um, number one, a brilliant attorney doesn't always equate to an accomplished business owner. That's right. Yeah. Right. That was, yeah. My dad taught me that he had his own practice. He was a doctor and he just loved being a doctor. He hated billing. He hated appointments. He hated staffing. He hated all of that stuff. Isn't it interesting that I'm going to focus just on the law business. That's what I know that yeah. some people, they, they love doing only legal work and they hate all the stuff you just mentioned. Other people, don't learn the legal work yeah. and only do the management stuff. So I guess the first thing you got to come to the conclusion with with one of your clients is which are you a hybrid of one of these things? Correct. Or one or the other? Like, what do you want? Correct. So my first thing I tell them is you've got to work the maze backwards, right? There's no magic recipe or solution to anything. The, the thing is you've got to figure out what is your goal. Don't try to be like this guy or that right. girl. What is your goal? And then just reverse engineer it. Right, because if you want to broker cases and just manage, that's an entirely different marketing, different technology, different staff. You know, if you just so just yeah. How do you get people to find out what their truth is in terms of what they want? Because especially in today's day and age with social media, billboards, and marketing, uh, mass marketing, and these big verdicts, and and people like, oh, I want to do that, I want to do that, but deep down they might not. How do you find out what their truth is? So I think um, a couple of things. I think I have an ability 
um, to listen well um, and just dig a little bit deeper in a non-confrontational way. Um, I think I have great intuition so I can sense like, hey, this might be an issue and Mm -hmm. let's talk about it. Um, and if you don't want to talk about it, then maybe you should be okay with repeating these patterns. Right. And maybe reassuring people that, that your path is okay. Like if you yeah. want to do that, like that's totally there's fine. No, yeah. If there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. If it makes you happy. And that's what you like, like to do. Like, I think people sometimes need that reassurance. They, and they struggle. A lot of times, you know, I get with clients who they didn't mean to be lawyers. They just kind of fell into it, you right. know? And so it's like. Well, you've got the ticket. That's what we used to call it. You've got the ticket. You can have any life you want. And after 26 years, it's amazing some of these clients that I have that are just, you know, I have one client. She was in New York, big law, um, took a vac- got burnt out, took a vacation in Mexico for a month. It's been two years. She's still there? She's still there. <laughs> okay? Right? And it's like help me build a practice for people like me right i have another great client we were doing this is when i was doing stuff part-time saturday sessions and we had this breakthrough and he finally just said i'm sick and tired of having to make two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to pay for this brick and mortar and these employees that i don't even want and service these clients that i don't like and i was like well what would you want to do he's just like i want to take 10 clients and just go live on the beach somewhere. Yeah. And so what we did, I was like, if you commit to that, I will help you build that. We whittled down his practice within two years. I found everyone jobs. We found somebody to rent the building. We practiced gazebo law, right? Where he had this huge gazebo. We tried to work remote. We cherry picked 12 clients. He bought a place in Costa Rica. I love that, man. I love that. I haven't heard that story, but I love it. It, it, This is not similar, but it reminds me of, you hear a lot about the golden handcuffs. You know, people that have these big jobs, big mortgages, kids in private school, they hate their job, but they have no way out. But it sounds like there's a, you kind of- There is a way out. You can like look at it and say, what's the exit strategy to whittle things down to still accomplish what I want to accomplish? Well, yeah. And so then we turned into quarterly meetings and he would show up and I was like, how are things going? He's like, happy as a clam. Man, it's You know better. what? I think we need to bur- build a burrito stand on the beach because the surfers have too far to walk. Yeah. Man, I love it. And, I, it you know, for me, ultimately, it's about net profit. It's not about how much money you make. It's about how much is left when you're done paying the bills. So for me, it, it's that's exactly right. And I, I've I've tried very hard to stay with my truth, which is small firm, just me, paralegal, small staff, small overhead. You know, kind of ignore all the noise yeah. about what you should do it's and ten x this. And because I could do it, I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I could. Yeah. Um, but I have I have chosen not to, and I remain that because I don't. I've kind of been there at the big firm stuff. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't want to do that. So I, I think that it's important for lawyers or for any person in any business to be honest with themselves about what they want. Yeah, and so I think I have a way to break through because they're already coming from a place of, hey, give me some help. You know, yeah. if I just came up to you and solicited you and knocked on your door and said, hey, I'm Alvaro, let me tell you about your problems. I'd say dude's got good hair, but I don't think he's got <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, we're All done. right, number two, it says, the success of a firm depends not just on your skill in the courtroom or conference room, but on your leadership skills and ability to comply with the rules of the game, which I like that. Compliance mistakes are something that is costly and destructive for any law practice. Yeah, so, I mean, what that's about is 
to your point, and I'm not saying that this is your issue, but a lot of times people get stuck in that, well, I can do this and this guy's doing this and I feel insecure that I don't have seven associates like this person or whatever. And so, but they can't manage people. And so they, they have all these issues that come up and I'm like, you know what? There's nothing wrong with being a solo. Mm-hmm. The more you grow, the more it is about being a leader than it is about being a lawyer. And if you're not ready to take that on or you're not ready to let go and let somebody else handle it and be like, okay, you be the managing partner and lead all these people and I'll just be the pretty face. Because that person could never do as good as I can do it. Yeah. Right? How many, right. How many, how many all times, the time. How many times do you hear all that? All the time. Right, but then you get stuck in that little yeah. in that race, and so a lot of it is just if you do want to grow, you've got to be a leader, which means you're going to come up with a lot of things that you weren't expecting, you know, and you've got to be able to pivot. So, do you help people kind of get trained in leadership, understand yeah. management? Yeah, these are the things you're going to be dealing with. This is correct because you're yeah. right. People, most people aren't naturally born leaders or managers. I have one of the most you know, arguably, you know, most brilliant trial lawyers, you know, and they were having an issue and they're like, this person just said this to me and I'm about to blow a gasket and here's the email I'm going to send and here's what I'm going to say. And, and I'm like, calm take down, deep right, take a deep breath. Yeah. Okay. You're, you've got good, solid points. You're totally right. But let's, you know, let's not talk about this, right? Let's not talk about this. Let's get down to the issue. So your clients will call you mid kind of problem. All, yeah. say, hey, man, what I'm doing I'm like, this? I'm like QT, man. I'm 365, <laughs> seven days a week, man. Cell phones always charge. Cell phone, yeah, I mean, we close the month of December every year, right? <laughs> uh, but I'm still going, you know, like yeah. the staff is done, but yeah. All right, number three. Some of the most skilled lawyers find difficulty in running their offices efficiently. Inefficiency is the root of failure. So yeah, so you don't realize, especially in contingency practices, um, how much inefficiency costs you, right? So let's, I say immediately, regardless of your practice area, assign everyone an hourly rate, right? So let's give, the assistants $75 an hour, let's give the paralegals $150, let's give baby attorneys $300, let's give partners $500, right? As soon as you think about that, you start realizing how inefficient you are. And if you had to write a check, you're like, I can't find this document, let me go look at his office, or let me go do this, or let me go do that, or how do you get work delegated to you? He just comes up to me and goes, Hey, I gotta quit, you know, and you're trying to finish this discovery response, and now he's asking you about what happened in this case, and you're like, I don't know, and then this, and then he says, Okay, well, then do this, and you're like, All right, let me write that down. And it's like, Well, now I need to take a break. I've been wanting to pee. I'm gonna go pee, and then I can walk back, and then Sarah's in the hallway. How was your weekend? Gotta go have lunch. Got it. Next, and that's lunchtime. But then, then, then it's lunchtime. Right. Yeah, or you get a right. ping, and it's like, but if you actually wrote a check for two hundred seventy-five dollars for that hour, make you and, sick. And then another thousand dollars, like you'd be writing checks for five thousand dollars a day, no doubt, right? But you don't write that check, so you don't realize how that inefficiency is affecting you, right? And mm. so you make total different decisions on how you spend your time 
and what's efficient what's the highest and best use of your time like one thing i say in my cle's i bill 500 dollars an hour right i live on three acres um, from san francisco so i'm pretty laid back but i've got three small kids i've got this business i work with lawyers i can even get stressed out so what i do is i get on my riding lawnmower right i'll grab a beer I'll put on headphones and I'll just fucking mow my lawn, man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it takes me four hours to mow three acres. And that's not edging and trimming, right? So that's $2,000 for me to mow my fucking lawn, right? It would be better for me to pay these three guys 150 bucks, right? I've now gained four hours. I can go mountain bike to alleviate. I can spend time with my kids. I can market and I can bill, right? What's the best use of my time? Can I push you back, push back yeah. on that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, because I think about that too. But the hours you spend cutting that grass brings you joy, right? So, so, yeah. so, so then you have to do the analysis of the monetary savings versus just the I enjoy cutting I grass. I enjoy cutting the Because yeah. I think about that sometimes too. I'm like, I shouldn't be doing this. I know I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. I have the self-awareness of it, but I kind of like it. If you like it, that's a different, that's a fulfilling okay. thing, mm -hmm. right? So for me, I translated that into mountain biking, Yeah. right? So I know exactly if I get a client reschedule, I know I've got X amount of time, I can go to this trail and then make it for my next meeting. You know, if I've got this amount of time, I can go to this trail, right? And so that's how I ended up because I needed to do something that, yeah. Totally, I know in my practice I do things I shouldn't be doing. Yeah. I know it and I'm doing it, I'm yeah. like, Josh, you, you, you don't yeah. need to be doing this. But I'm like, you know what, I kinda like it and I don't know. I mean, if someone was auditing this, they'd say you're spending $500 an hour on something yeah. that should be cost 75. So, I got to get better at it. So that's, I mean, I think we're talking slightly two different points. Like one point is, what if I like cutting the grass? Is that okay? And I'm saying yes. What I'm also saying though is, I had a client, we walked to lunch, we walked back. It was a Tuesday because there's a huge U.S. mail bin of mail. It's like, it was a holiday. I'm like, what's it doing on your desk? Give it to your receptionist. He's like, no, 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 no. My receptionist can't open the mail. She loses checks. She mismarks court dates. She, and I was like, then you have the wrong receptionist. <laughs> right. You don't start opening your own mail. Right. 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 So, I mean, I could see mowing the grass, opening your own mail. No, your, your example makes total sense to me. I, I was I was admitting some things that I do that I know I shouldn't be doing. And the way I tell myself it's okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Number four, um, law management uh, helps attorneys translate their innate advocacy into a successful practice. We help lawyers identify and eliminate their weaknesses and create purposeful and effective new habits. So yeah, so that's part of, like I say, I, in a lot of consultations, you know, 80% of what I do sometimes is psychotherapy. Like, you know, it's really just, what are your strengths helping, like just vomit everything. And I'm good at strategic planning, right? So like, just vomit everything. Let me kind of sort it. Let me help you prioritize it. And then once we know, then it's like, this is how you actually implement it. This is what you do on Monday and how you do it. You don't do it in 12 steps, you do right. it in three. Right, 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 right. No, so, that, that, that totally makes sense. And by, by them throwing everything out at you, you can kind of filter through, well, this is good, this is not so good. Yeah, and, and this is a priority two, this is a bucket two thing. Yeah. Great idea. But let's focus on this first. So without naming names, of course, what are some things that you see firms doing wrong from a management standpoint or law firm practice standpoint or things that you see them doing right? Like where's some low hanging fruit on both sides of this? So the things that they don't do well are um, not tracking analytics. Like the data will tell you, like I see patterns, 
right? And if you collect enough analytics, you're going to start seeing patterns of what's working and what's not working. Um, and so they don't think it's important. They feel like it's a chore. But if you realize the impact it has and how quickly you can pivot, then it's important. The other thing that they don't do is have meetings. And I'm not saying have meetings just to have meetings, but it's more like to communicate, to make sure everyone can anticipate your needs, to make sure everyone is kind of rowing in the same direction. So we have structured meetings with a specific agenda, with specific people in it, going over specific reports, right? Yeah. Do you know Stephen Lefkoff? I don't know if you've yeah. heard his name. Say He was on the podcast a couple of months ago. He's a good buddy of mine, and he is all about law firm management. Like You and him could sit down over... So he's a long... So he worked with Greg Jacobs, who's a longtime client. Okay. And okay. then he went out on his own yeah. and I helped him yeah. out. He, I mean, like I said, you and he's him... like, no, we think the same way. We think the same way. And so yeah. his thing about meetings was so funny, and I hadn't heard before. He said he does his meetings off-site. Yeah. He's like, if, if we meet in our conference room, yeah. there's distractions. Yeah. We're in a place that feels like, you know, just normal work day. He goes, we go to a hotel banquet room or to a restaurant someplace. Yeah. He's like, and, it, and we dedicate that space and that time for the meeting. And so, of course, my question was, what kind of food are you bring in? <laughs> yeah, I mean, ours are like really quick. You know, if you if you stay on top of it. It's really kind of, these are 15, 20 okay. meetings. Yeah, yeah, he was talking more about, um, you know, like a, a monthly, quarterly, something to, to so, get through a whole bunch of stuff. So that's that's different. Like you've And so there's certain meetings with specific agendas. Some are quarterly, some are monthly, mm-hmm. some are, you know, any day, you know, so. Good idea. I'm going to refresh my drink too. The idea is, you know, just have some sort of structure because it also creates accountability. It's like, hey, employees are like kids right if you don't hold them accountable then they're going to keep doing it and so if you say hey look it's really important to like so you come to me right and you're like so this is why it's operations technology marketing you come to me like should i spend five thousand dollars on this plaque right or should i spend fifteen thousand a month with this seo company right and so i say to you all right, well, show me a report that says, here are all my intakes by referral source and average case value. It's like, well, I can't do that. I was like, okay, well, now it's an operations issue. We need to train somebody these processes that when we open a file, make sure you track the referral source. When you close a file, put the final settlement value, and then you have to have a meeting every Monday and run that report. And if there's gaps in it, you hold them accountable and enforce it. If there's no gaps in it, then I can give you better advice like this. Right. You mentioned SEO. Yeah. And that's a whole, we could, we could do yeah, hours show, on it. Yeah. Uh, what, what is the current state in your mind about SEO? <sighs> so I'm not, I've never been a really big fan. It's not my model. I don't think to hear it's, that. It's, it's not the best model um, for lawyers also. Um, unless you're running incredible volume and even so the people running incredible volume are spending close to a million dollars a month you can't keep up you can't keep up right here's the other thing right there is value in SEO because it's Google's world right and Google changes algorithms Google decides what you can get away with, what you can't get away with. You could get away with it, but now you can't. And now there's LSAs, and now there's this, and now there's 
Google My Business. Like, there's all these. It's always changing. Um, but here's what's totally going to change. And my, so I get asked, hey, what, you know, what do you see evolving coming up? I'm telling you now, in five years or less, four to five years, the day of these SEO companies are gone, right? Um, two things that have really happened um, significantly in the last five to seven years and exponentially in the last two are private equity and um, AI, right? Those two things alone the days of paying fine law thirty thousand that scorpion like those days are gone. What AI and now AI, like it's flirting with I can draft a demand, I can do a chronology, like it's not there yet. But what we've been testing with clients with AI in the last three years, I'm telling you, the days of spending thousands or tens of thousands a month on these company, they're gonna be all gone. But is the money not being spent on an AI company? Or, or yeah, you just run it yourself? Point. So that, okay, so two things there. The AI company, it's a lot cheaper. Like what I can do with 25 cents of AI is probably going to cost me a thousand with the company, right? So you're still going to have companies that run the AI. It's just the profit margins are just, you just, you can't compete. Like if I tell a client I can do that for 1500 and they've been spending 15,000, I'm going to undercut everyone in the world, right? So you're still going to have that business. It's just somebody to manage it. It's just not going to be outrageously priced the way it's been going, like with videos. Like to make a video, it used to be $2,000. Then it was five. Then it was 10. Now it's like $25,000 to make a video. I'm like, what? Right? It's all gotten insane. So so get some free advice from you since we got you yeah. here. Microphone in your face. You know, um, so a guy like me that's got a lot, lot more years to work, I got a long runway, knowing that it's going in this direction, should I be thinking about learning some of this AI stuff, understanding how it works? Well, um, yeah, absolutely. Like, like what's the advice? I would say absolutely start following it. I think um, one person that's been really ahead of the curve, the client or friend is Matt Weatherington. I don't know if you follow his business uh, Facebook page, um, but he's always just free sharing a lot of tips on AI. Um, again, so that was the other thing. So when you have private equity, the second point, you can start bringing this stuff in house, right? So we've got clients where they were spending $40,000 a month on SEO. And I was like, just hire some guy, do it in house for $80,000, oh, yeah, yeah. right? And he only does your SEO. Yeah. He's not doing the whole neighborhood's SEO, right? And it's like, well, I don't have an extra 80000 off, right? But it's like, okay, well, now here comes private equity with monopoly money. And so you get private equity coming in, you bring AI in-house, and you're off to the races. What's your thoughts on websites? What, what direction are websites going? Because the thing with AI is, I know that AI can help kind of build websites and get content. content. But, but then is Google going to knock you because you're plagiarizing some content from somebody else? No. Like how, does, how does that work? So that's the beauty with AI. It comes up with content so much better than humans, right? So the bane of existence for lawyers is content creation and blogs. Right. 
Um, it's, they never want to write them. They never want to do it. It's always last on the list, right? But they realize that Google loves that Rewards stuff. Rewards it. Right? So we outsource it. And then what happens is, well, I don't want to spend that much. So we outsource it to a kid, and the kid doesn't know the difference between Montana law and New York law, or they're quoting this and not that, and the client gets frustrated, right? So then the alternative is, well, I've got this lawyer who is now an English writer and wants to do blogs out of New York, but she bills $400 an hour, and you're like, well, I'm not going to pay somebody $400 an hour to write a blog, right? And so we would send these blogs out and they'd come back with so much revisions from a client, right? Now, like that we've been using AI for content and blog writing, we get like, can we use we instead of us? Otherwise, good to go. We're good to go. Yeah. It's so, mind blowing. So you just send to, to an AI company, like, we want to do a blog on rideshare. You just like, chat I GBT. need to, yeah, I just want something written on this considering this rip it out and the stuff they come up with is like kind of stale but honestly i wouldn't change anything so let me ask you about using the word stale because do you let me how do i say this i think a lot about the content that i push out i push out videos on on the regular um, do blogs you know Am I right in consistency about doing it is more important than the actual content itself sometimes? Always. Yeah. Always. Okay, so always. always. So am I right thinking that, you know, driving yourself crazy over making sure this reads perfectly isn't as important as actually doing it? Correct. That being said, I would rather it be correct. Sure, sure. I I, I guess what I'm saying is some people, I think, get paralysis by analysis where they just just make themselves crazy because this doesn't read like a a court of appeals brief. Like it's never going to. If you're going to do this every day or every week. No, just get it out. Just get it out, right? Um, Nothing. You're always going to have – so that's one thing that I learned in creative writing. You can always just go back and edit. You can oh, you will never be done. You can edit to death. You can edit to death, right? The idea is get it out there. Right, because that's Google sees it, your social network sees it, top of mind awareness, and then that's yeah, how you that, that's up. where I always circle back to. So I started doing videos. I mean, five years ago when I started my practice, and I used to do you know two or three minute videos once a week. Yeah, and that was way too long. Yeah, right. And then it was one minute videos every time. And now it's like no one's watching for a minute. Yeah, like no. they're just not going to. No, you you know you have to. Yeah, you, you you can't. So now it's like how I do it shorter than a minute. And then I'm like, well, I can't say anything that is meaningful in 30 seconds, but is that really the point? I don't, I don't know. I'm asking you. I would, I mean, you can come up, there's always some sort of soundbite, right? There's always a soundbite that this is the theme of what I'm trying to get across, right? Um, and then you just add in a hook at the beginning to reel them. You talk about the theme, you twist it a little bit at the end and we're done. How do you talk to your clients about their uh, image, their branding properly coming through in, in a video or, or online content? Because, you know, like the TikTok generation, everybody's dancing, looking kind of silly. Like some people, they, authenticity, they're, more, they're more buttoned up. So. I think authenticity. I mean, I think everyone feels insecure. They assume other people aren't insecure. And so when they see a level of authenticity, they connect to that. Right. And so I think it just be yourself. 
people like you for a reason. I had yeah. one client, he's like, there's two guys, right? I always thought this guy was the fun guy. And then we start talking about doing videos um, and personalities and stuff. And I'm like, I don't like, we've been working together for you. Like, I don't really even know you, man. Right. I'm like, tell me some hobbies. Like, tell me what's up. This guy recites. He's like, he has five different lives in one. And it's like mind blowing. It's like hunting. It's in a band. It's, it's all of these, like, it's like, I would have never known. Dude, come out of your shell a little yeah, bit. Yeah, talk a little bit. Talk a little bit. Like, people would respond to that, you know? Don't be so insecure that I'm not as good-looking or I'm not as funny or I'm not as entertaining. Yeah, it's it's it can be intimidating to put yourself out there, you know? People, people yeah. like it. Are people going to click like? I mean, that's a thing that I've come a long way and not really giving two shits about I what that looks like. I just talked about that today, right? Um, the power of social media, right? So two things. One is it's a reciprocal relationship in social media. So if you're not liking and commenting when you post, they're not going to like and comment on your stuff, okay? Whereas if you're liking and commenting, you're creating the sense of reciprocity that when you finally post something, they're like, yeah, buddy. That, guy, that guy's been all over my right? stuff for two years. But yeah. then it's like you get so insecure that you don't post. And it's like, no. To your point, it's that consistency. Just do it. Just do it. Because I will be like, hey, I posted this. I got 15 likes, right? But then in my meetings the next two weeks, it's like, oh, saw you were at the saw Hawks that. game. Yeah, saw that. Hey, saw you were in Miami. Hey, saw you were in Miami. Like, I posted in Miami. You didn't post that I was in Miami. Brought it up when we talked. But you brought it up. Mm -hmm. You said, hey, saw you were in Miami. Right? That's right. So don't feel like you need a like or a comment. Just do it. People are watching. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I totally agree with that. How do you stay classy in posts? Plants lawyers love... Quit, it, st stop with the verdicts, like the sheet of paper. Verdict. You think? You think? I'm not a big fan of that. That is, I think that's tacky as hell. Okay. Right? Now, mind you, I've never gotten one. I don't know what it takes to get one. I'm just saying from perspective, you know, it's, no, it's like, no. So I'll tell you that. When I first started posting these videos, I would also do an image every, you know, once or twice a week. And in the beginning, I was like, okay, I got this great settlement for $500,000 or whatever it was. I've got to make a, you know, truck wreck, this injury, $500,000, yay me. Um, those are the ones that I always like had to think twice about, oh God, I got to post this. No, but, but like grab a big check. Is that better or worse? Worse. I know. Worse. <laughs> Money guns, all sorts yeah. of stuff. But, but then it's like, do you feel like people need to see that you're capable and are yes. achieving yes. those kind of results? But you do it in a tasteful manner. What's the way to do right? it tastefully? So, you know, you talk about... So, again, they're clients and, and close friends. But I think Shiver Hamilton does a good job. You know, I th tell a story about it, right? I think um, Turnbull and Holcomb do a good job. Like, so here's a perfect example, right? So they've been working on this ginormous Nissan case. Um, 
so many mediations, goes to trial, St. Louis, settles, Brett flies down, everyone knows that it settles, right? Alan's post today on LinkedIn, right? It's about we're back in trial, trial mode. Yep, saw we're that. back in trial mode, mm-hmm. right? I saw it, you saw it, mm-hmm. right? That was taste like these are big guns, right? Lawyers, like everybody else, are gossipers. Mm-hmm. The it, the word will travel. So if you can tell a story of this is how this was impacted, this family, you know, like tell a little story about it and make it about the victim of the accident. Don't make it about you and your big guns, right? Make it about the victim and how you made a shitty situation at least a little bit better to move forward. I love it. That's that, that's great stuff. That's really good advice. So let's let's flip to in-person marketing. We've talked yeah. a lot about online, a lot of social media stuff, which has been great, but um, I'm still an in-person guy. So, yeah. so when, when people come to you and they're like, okay, put a marketing plan together, what's some, what's some tips? Right, so um, to your point, there's two types of marketing. Internet-based marketing, which is everything we've talked about, but that's low conversion, high acquisition, cost, um, lower case value. Then you have referral-based marketing. Phone doesn't ring as much, but the acquisition cost is next to nothing, the average case value is higher, the conversion ratio is amazing, right? And so what you wanna do is build habits, right? Just think about it like working out. So I always say eight and two, right? Do eight one-on-ones a month. And I say eight, which is two a week, knowing that you're only gonna do four, right? I know lawyers, you're only gonna do four or five. But if I say do four, you're gonna do one, and that's not enough, Mm -hmm. right? So I say, let's go for eight, right? Two a week. And I'm talking coffee, breakfast, wake up early, right? Lunch, I'm not a big fan of because it's like two hours of your day. A drink at the end of the day, a dinner, like whatever the case may be, whatever your social calendar is, commit to eight one-on-ones. And so the way you break those eight one-on-ones are, who are two referral sources that I need to always kind of be massaging, right? in different practice areas. Who's a worker's, if I do PI, who's a worker's cop? If I do family law, who's a bankruptcy or wills and estate attorney that I need to know, right? And so think of complementary practice areas and who your good referrals are and massage them. Then you come up with another set of two that kind of fit that category, right? Like, hey, this is a worker's comp attorney they match this pattern, let me go find another worker's comp attorney that matches that pattern, right? And then your other four are community-based and and legal-based, right? So community-based, I had one person say, uh, tell me your hobbies, what do you do? Well, I'm really active in church, how big is your parish? 50,000 people, like, I'm there like Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday or whatever. I'm like, well, guess what? We're that's, doing something at that, church that's now. That's your spot, yeah. Now we're doing, like with me, I go to Hawks games. I'm going anyway. Bring a lawyer with me, right? Um, and then a couple of legal, right? So if you're going to be – so I say go to two events. So it's eight one-on-ones and two events. One's community-based and one's legal-based. And so you're cherry-picking – so you're meeting people at the events like, hey, good to see you. Saw you were in Miami. Oh, hey, you have this pattern that's like this pattern. 
nice to meet you. Let's go to lunch sometime, right? So you're you're mining, you're cultivating for people to do one-on-ones on. So if you do eight, hopefully you do five, right? And track it, analytics. This guy I went to lunch with three times, sent me one case. This one I just called on the phone, and they sent me six. Yeah. I'm gonna So back to the first thing you said about accountability, is that then turning in to you mm-hmm. and say Hey man, we have monthly meetings. Hey man, here's here's my. That's what I'm saying. Hey, I got six this month, or oh my god, I only got two, and you're like, well, dude, you got to do better. Is that that's part of the accountability? That's part of the that's the accountability, right? It's like the it's holy shit, Alvaro's coming. Yeah, right. I have I have ten days. <laughs> yeah, no, like so I always so I once I got to a certain point, I stopped. We stopped working Fridays, right? So if you ever see me Friday, it's not good. Like employees start to shiver if I walk into an office on a Friday. Right? Because like, oh shit, somebody's getting fired. Right? <laughs> it's the same way with meetings. You're not the two bobs, are you? No, you I am, honestly, I'm the two bobs. <laughs> what do you do all day? <laughs> Literally. I've been I've said that so many times. There's an age gap, not everybody knows office space. Uh, uh, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. But that's the thing. With clients, it's like, well, I can't do eight. Okay, well, what can you do? I can do four. Okay, you promise you can do four? Okay, so... Then they turn it two and they're all nervous about it. And it's like, well, what happened? I thought you said you wanted to make money, right? Or you said you were going to do this. Why didn't you do it? And I also told you, if you can't fill somebody in that roster spot, or if you don't know what event to go to... I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Yeah. I'll introduce you to somebody. I'll tell. I'll bring you to an event. But don't wait until the next meeting and be like, oh, I couldn't find anybody to lunch with. Yeah. So the event thing, since you, you know, that, that's something that you can get overwhelmed in. Like, yeah. go to this happy hour, go to this Christmas party. How many Christmas parties did you go to? I saw you at 10 of them. Man. It's like, how, how do you decide? I say you, I don't mean you. Yeah, I just mean yeah. in general. Like, how, how was the decision made? Like, this event, Correct. that event, this happy yep. hour, it's, kind of, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Yeah. So, again, I'm an outlier. Like, I, I go to these things, but for normal lawyers, again, it's time and energy. You cannot replace time and energy, right? And so if I'm going out, if I'm gonna have coffee with somebody, there better be some way that I'm connecting dots. Otherwise, I'm not going. I'm, I'd rather go hang out with my kids. I'd rather do something else, right? I'm not going. Like, And you get distracted. It's like, well, I gotta do my eight one-on-ones. And it's like, well, who'd you go to, like, why did you go to lunch with your yeah, best friend? Don't do it, just times? check a box. I guess Correct. Not. Yeah, so the same thing. It's like, oh, with all these events, go to the ones, it's spearfishing. Where are these people, if all these people tend to send clients my way, where do they hang out? Who do I have to get in front of to meet the right people? So I kind of learned it kind of going through it the reverse engineering way. So I did defense work forever. And we would go to DRI, which is yep. Defense Research Institute, and we would go to Las Vegas, and it's freaking awesome. Yep. And there's 5,000 people there. And there's 4,950 lawyers just like me yep. that are trying to make connections with the 50 potential clients, right? Yeah. And you learn kind of quickly that if you're there to meet the insurance client or the corporate client, like you're fighting everybody yep. else. But you're also meeting other lawyers where connections can be made, other states, and they can send you cases, whatever. So to your point, like you have to just figure out what it is who you're where, where, where are you trying to go? Where, exactly. And that's why I'm saying there's no magic answer. It's work the maze backwards. It's who, who am I, who do I need to get in front of? Who said, because if I'm going to make a hundred bucks, I want to grab a hundred dollar bill. I don't want to grab a dollar a hundred times. 
right? Ooh, I like that. I'm okay. gonna steal that one from you. A hundred bucks. I need to make a hundred bucks. I want to grab a hundred dollar bill. I don't want to grab a dollar a hundred times. That's Mike Hawkins' quote. So if well, I was gonna, gonna say that's Alvaro's quote. Yeah. So it's about to be Josh. I Stein. use it all the time. Josh Stein's quote. Yeah, it might be Josh Stein, <laughs> but that kind of it kind of paradigm shifts, right? Yeah. It's like okay, well, I need to do this instead. You know? All right, tell people when they go to conferences what they need to be doing. They don't need to just show up, come in late, oh leave early, don't do a this damn thing. This is the biggest, to your point on conferences with 5,000 people, I can't tell you how many times I see everyone on the first day, on the second day, half of the people are showing up hungover, late, right? By the third day, everyone's ghosted. Gone. Gone, right? And they're hanging out with the exact, exact same, same people. people, right? So to your point, what you want to do is like that spear fishing, right? You need to target who are four people that are good sources that I mean, hey, are you going to this conference? Let's grab a cup of coffee, right? And you're also spear fishing, you're hunting Okay, well, this guy I know is going because he's a speaker, and she's going because she's a speaker. She's the chair of the thing. I'm going to reach out, yeah. right? So you want to reach out first. That's what I'm saying. It requires on the front end before you get to Las 100%. Vegas. 100%. And that's something people ignore. This is they- a month and a half before you get to Vegas, and you already normally know that you're going to Vegas. It's usually the same time every – it's always in November. It's always in April. It's always in whenever, Right. Find out the speaker list. Introduce yourself. Connect with them on LinkedIn. Try to become a speaker. Try to become right? a like speaker. When, when you're the speaker, you got more juice. Who when you're do I around. need to meet? Who do I need to meet? So on that point on speaking, let me say something, right? So when you go to conferences, target these people ahead of time. Let them know you're coming. Try to set something up. If they can't meet, look for them. At least say hi. And then send a follow-up email after the conference. That's what you do when you go to conference. Be strategic about which conference you go to. Where do you fall on the handwritten note? Dude, a thousand percent. Right? Dude, have you met right? me? Yeah. Right? Like, I'm known for that. Right? So, the follow, you have five follow-up steps. Whenever you meet somebody, you always put them in your database so you can hit them up later. You mark some sort of follow-up. Is it a year? Is it in a week? Is it in three months? Right? Um, you send them a handwritten note, right? Because an email is too lazy. You connect with them on social media. And then most importantly, the fifth one, who can you introduce them to? Because it's not Add about some you. value. Add value, right? Most referrals come from a second or third degree. Don't feel like it's like, well, I can't send you a bankruptcy case. I don't know any people that have, like, no. But maybe you know somebody, right? So think about who you can add them to. But I want to, because uh, I get this question all, all the time, and I think it's valuable what you brought up. Try to be a speaker, right? How do I get to be a speaker? Everyone wants to be published. Everyone wants to be on TV. Everyone wants to be, right? What you do, same sort of thing. You figure out what conferences do I need to be in front of, right? And then look at the last two years. What did they talk about? What do they like talking about, right? And then go to whoever's setting it and say, listen, here's where I've spoken before, right? Here are three topics. Don't come with one. It's like, nope, already got somebody to speak on that. Well, how about this? Uh, maybe. Well, how about a panel on this, right? Don't connect the dot for the person because they're 
dying to find speakers. Dying. You're doing them a favor. You're doing by, them a by, favor. By taking one thing off of their to-do off list. Off of their to-do list. Nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, done. Alvaro's speaking. We're it's good. done, right? Yeah. It's the same for TV. The producer needs to fill the slot, right? It's the same as the editor. They need to fill the magazine, right? They need to do this. Help them out. Well, yes. What about the people that are selling your ability to publish something in their magazine. Like for $500, you can write an article in this magazine. I get that it all the time. It depends on the magazine. I get it all the time. I would say no. Like attorney at law, no. Whatever it is. I mean, yeah. I get it all the time. It's like for $1,000, you can write this. I'm like, no. for $0, I can write it somewhere else. Yeah, and then just shop it around. If it's good content, it's going to get picked up. So speaking of, of, of spending money to do that, all right. ROI, return on investment, that's the hardest thing for someone like me to put their mind around. Like how, whether it's SEO, whether it's a business coach, whether it's whatever it is we're doing, like how do you, how can you analyze that and say, I'm getting a return on this money I'm investing? Right, so that's why I go back to analytics, right? That's the awareness, right? So what is your process for intake? Let's go through that process. Is, are they capturing the referral source, right? Whose job is it to capture it? And if they're, if it's their job, are you making sure they're doing their job, right? So then a lot of times I get, well, I told them to do their job, they're not doing it. So let's attach a bonus to it with qualifiers. So the open file process means you've got to open it up in CasePeer or FileLine or Clio or whatever, right? It means you need to add the referral source. It means that when I run the report, it has integrity. So yeah, you got your bonus, but you didn't get the qualifiers, so no bonus for you. You didn't follow the process. Same as the closing file process, right? Closing file process means moving from active to close, change the status, make sure all the liens are done, make sure you add the final value in the case management so that when we run a report on ROI, it shows I want to see a report how many intakes per month, how many open files per month, by referral source, by sub-practice area, by average case value. If you can't show me those five things, we need to change our processes. And, so, and I guess also it's figuring out where a case comes from, right? I mean, I feel like 90 plus percent of the cases, probably 99, I could say, well, I know where this case comes from. Everyone tells me, everyone tells me they, and so you either make emotional decisions or you make logical decisions. They, I feel like every client tells me Oh, I close every case. If they call me, I close it. Ninety-nine, like I show me a fucking report. Right. Show me a report. Right. Can you show me a report that says that? Right. No. Okay. Right. Well, then you're just making shit up. Yeah. I guess I'm thinking about cases that I have opened and closed. I can say, okay, John Smith came from this source. Source. What I don't do is then go say, okay, that source generated John Smith. And run a report to say, okay, well, that source that created John Smith has also created ten more. That's where I need to spend more of my time. I think you just answered your own question on what you need to do. You're the best of the business, man. <laughs> there you go. Right? So we just blew through 57 minutes. and I, Already? And, and, and they, whoever they are, told me that like an hour is kind of where you got to look at. But I'm going to go a little more because I'm enjoying this. <laughs> there's two things I want to get to with you. Well, there's more than that, but two. So the, the teaching at UGA, I know you did that for a couple yeah. years. Um, that was fun. Teaching law school students some actual practical real-life stuff. Yeah. So um, this actually started about 15 years ago. Um, I, 
everyone would t- they didn't teach me this in law school how come i didn't <laughs> that's true by the way i know it is right and then it was like how come i didn't meet you right so then i go to georgia state and i say listen everyone i meet with says they don't teach this in law school and they go i'm like here's a whole curriculum on what to do teach it to your client teach them to your students they they scoffed at me they go there is no place for business in law so if, incorrect. If they are interested in opening their own practice, we have a great JD MBA program. That was their response, right? So then I go to John Marshall, who's not accredited at the time, and I say, listen, here's what you guys need, right? And so they're like, can you do our boot camp? It's Saturday, Sunday for all our graduates. Teach it. I'm like, you need more than a boot camp, but yeah. So Good place I, to start. Right? So then I started, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I'll do it for free, whatever, right? I stopped. One day, I get an email from Emily. She goes, hey, the dean of UGA just called at the law school. They said they're starting their own, like they want they want to talk to you. They're starting this this program, and they had somebody else in mind, but they were told to call you. And so they said, whether or not you're interested, can you at least just call back so we can talk about it? So I'm like, hell yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. So I call them back. They're like, yeah, we're thinking about doing a weekend program every other week, you know, for eight weeks. I'm like, that's not enough. I already did it at John Marshall. All right, well, we can give you like an hour. But if it's anything over eight students, we don't think you're going to get eight students. But if it's anything over eight students, then you got to follow these rules. And I was like, well, an hour is okay. okay. Can I get two hours? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, you can have two hours. Can it be on site? Because I like to teach. I'm like, yeah, it could be on site. I'm like, what do you want the curriculum to be? And they're like, I don't know. You're the expert. You make up the curriculum. I'm like, okay, I'll make up the curriculum. But if it's over eight, then it's got to have all these rules, right? 53 students. I was going to say, if I, you know, 2001 through four, I was there, I'm taking that class. Yeah. No. I'm taking that class. And every, every lawyer, and doctors too, by the way, they graduate from these. It's amazing. And they're like, well, I really wish I knew how the business side of all this yeah. worked. And that's how I got started, like I said, in medicine. Like, it, I lived through it with my dad. And so it's like when I met a lawyer, I was like, why aren't I ran it like a medical clinic? I'm like, why aren't you doing that? Super fun. So you Georgia fan now? I mean, yeah, if I go an hour without talking about the dogs, people are going to think I'm, you know, I mean, I, 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 ha- I have to be kind of, yeah, now. <laughs> um, like the staff all got me all this Georgia gear. Um, I got a mug, I got a hoodie, I got all this stuff, but nothing's going to beat my Hawks. Let's talk about them. Yeah. Uh, he, you're a huge Hawks fan. You've been floor seat guy for years and years. It's what you and. Uh, Greg Parents down there, Randy. Randy. Everyone's down there. Cash Cougar's down there. Uh, Seth uh, is down there. Goldberg's down there. Uh, Fowler's down there. Perak. So 41 games a year. How many realistically make it? Um, so I used to go to about 80% of the games. Okay. Um, the last couple of years, I slowed down a little bit. Um, but the big games, like I've seen them in Mexico. They did a big game, an international game in Mexico City last month. I went to that game. Clients in Boston that, you know, I take them to when they're in town, you know, I take them to games. So they reciprocated. 
Um, so I'll travel to see them now a lot if possible. But obviously I'm going to the Laker game next Tuesday. So I went with my son last Tuesday, Wednesday night. Uh, Arthur York was kind enough to let yeah. us use his tickets and um, had a blast. I not I, I, I'll be honest, I've not been in many years. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. It was I, the last game I went to. I took my three kids. I mean, they love it. I mean, it's it's a great. My oldest. I've been taking. He would say you can only go to every three games, and you have to take me. So you know, the oldest is through and through a Hawks fan. That's great. Yeah. So the game I went to, uh, DJ Murray hit the game-winning jumper. I saw it. And then the next game, he did it again. So he, he's our yeah. guy now. Um, yeah. I heard he's on the outs. I mean, what's Man, up with that? It's, uh, I keep him. Like, I keep him. So this is the most painful thing about being a Hawks fan. Like, I was on the floor when Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron and the Cavs. I was there when we had that great January. Undefeated for the month, yeah. Yeah, like 21 games in a row. Um you know, we lost John Collins. I thought that was a bad move. Um, Trey Young bought a house, a $30 million mansion in L.A. last summer. Come on. What, right? what, what's going to be happening? Like, it, you know, we fired the coach, get a new GM. So we're back in another cycle of rebuilding. Which sucks. Which sucks. Kobe that we picked up on the draft had a broken thumb for six weeks. And so we really haven't even seen his talent. Where do you fall on the Luka versus Trey trade from all those years back? Honestly, I go back and forth. I think Luka's obviously been consistent. Um, but Trey has been a show. I don't think Luka would have been... What Trey has brought to Atlanta in a spark kind of way. Interesting. For the fans. Um, I don't think Luka could have done that for Atlanta. That makes that makes a lot of good sense. So let's right. let's button all this up. Yeah, you're enjoying the yeah you, know, you enjoy the Hawks game. That's what you, know, you obviously enjoy it. You're getting marketing stuff out of it as well. Yeah, seeing all these folks. So encourage people that you can, all these things can be married together. Your interest, your marketing, your business. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like it's so again with marketing. What are you already doing, right? Like, I'm already doing this. I'm already in Alta. I'm already doing this. I'm already doing that. And it could be as random as, like, I've had clients who, I'm not a gun guy, but they love guns, right? And it's like, well, this guy loves, she loves guns, she loves. I'm like, once a month, let's all meet at the range and sh- shoot our pistols or whatever, right? So, like, just what are you already doing? And just tweak it a little bit into marketing. And then people that say, eh, I don't really like doing all that kind of stuff. Well, find out what you're good at. Like, I like to write. Okay, then let's start churning out blogs and content, right? Or I want to be in front of, I like to speak. Well, let's find some CLEs. There's always an answer, right? There's always an answer. answer. And that's what I'm saying. That's what they like about me is that I'm going to be honest. And I've been doing this for so long. Like, you... You're not going to tell me something that I haven't heard before. Right. You totally. know? Well, my man, I've enjoyed every minute of this. I love it. My, my, Cheers. My biggest, uh, my biggest regret that. is time goes by too fast. But, it does. You I know, they, they tell you that if you start going too far past the hour, no one's even going to start. Although with you, people are going to listen no matter what. You never know. All right. People that are listening that don't know you, that are they're like, I need this guy in my life, where they find you? Um, Alvaro Rouse. Uh, you can poke me on Facebook. Uh, a 3A Law Management. Um, dot com is the website. Um, if you've got a friend who's a lawyer in Atlanta, they probably have my cell number. 
Uh, but yeah, 3A at 3A Law Management is my email. Website's uh, 3A Law Management, and I'm Alvaro A. Arouse. Love it. All right, man. I appreciate it. I've learned Love a ton it. today. Thank you, People man. People out there have learned a lot as well, and uh, I appreciate your time. So. No problem. Thanks Thank you all for listening. I know you enjoyed it as much as I did. And as always, until next time, keep chopping.